Hi and welcome to the Mount Hamilton Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. For more information, go to mhbc.ca. Good morning. Uh, so yeah, this morning scripture reading is uh, Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 11. Uh, that's on page 783 on your church Bibles. And if you're using an app, I'll be reading from the NIV. Uh, so that's uh, Matthew chapter 2, 1 to 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Thank you, Bruce. Well, some of you will know that I grew up in a really small place, Uh, such a small place, in fact, that it didn't have street lights for most of my life. Um, I'm not talking about traffic lights. I mean, like, lights that light up the street. Um, Sometimes people here, I'm from Newfoundland, sometimes in Ontario, you guys talk about small towns. I laugh, my friends, at what you call small. Simcoe's not a small town. (laughs) That's where we went to get groceries. So... It was very dark for much of my life, as you can imagine. (laughs) Which is why even still, even though there's streetlights there now, when I go home, one of the things that I notice every time, and I almost always comment on, is how easy it is to see the stars. Have you ever had one of those experiences? Like maybe, maybe you live in the country or you're up north, and you say, oh, look at the stars. And even though I grew up with it, when I go home now, almost every night when I go out, I'm still amazed at how easy it is to see the stars when there's not all these other things that distract from being able to see them. Because now that I live in a city and I enjoy living in a city, it does mean that because there's big office and apartment buildings, because there's lots of light, right? There's billboards, there's signs, there's businesses whose lights are on all the time. It's actually very hard to see the stars with so much right in front of us. And I think this is a really logical analogy for often what also happens in our lives. That sometimes it's very hard to see light when there's so much going on around us that we can't see those slivers of light like those pinpricks of light in the sky when we finally get rid of the distractions and we can see the stars. And when we think about that in our lives, there's lots of things that keep us from seeing light. Sometimes it is those big distractions that are in front of us, right? Like busy jobs, busy lives, family, work, lots going on. Sometimes it feels like there's a blanket of darkness around us. 
when we think about the ways we're facing our own sicknesses or poor health, our own maybe mental health struggles, relationship breakdowns, tension with people we love, it can be hard to see the light. Sometimes even the other lights make it hard to see the light. Right? One of the reasons it's hard to see stars is that it's so bright all the time. And sometimes we're so busy even doing good things and people that, being with people that we love that we can find it hard to see the light. And by the light, I mean see God's presence with us. And you know what? We struggle with this, interestingly enough, a lot even at Christmas. Even though this is a season where if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, with lots of you do here, that you would say, well, this is when we want to see God. But yet there's so much going on. It can be hard to see the stars. We talk about the idea of seeing the star at Christmas. It's kind of become synonymous with what it means to find God. We say we saw the star, we see God. And the reason we use, I think, that analogy is likely based on the story that Bruce just read for you. And we talked about it last week. We had an online service last week. And we're going to be talking about it in December. And it's the story of the wise men. And maybe you know it really well. Even if you don't know it well, haven't heard it, you probably recognize the guys in the nativity scene that are holding the presents. Those are the wise men. And the story tells us that after Jesus was born, his mother Mary and father Joseph had gone to Bethlehem, which was far from her home, a small town, because that was where Joseph's lineage had began, and that's where they had to be counted for a census. While they were there, Mary had this baby, Jesus, whose birth we remember at Christmas. We read that there were shepherds who came to worship, and then the Gospel of Matthew tells us that there were these people called the Magi, and that they saw this star, and they started to go towards Bethlehem. And then they got as far as Jerusalem, which isn't too far from Bethlehem. And there they went to the king. Uh, the king was named Herod. And they said, you know, we saw the star. It tells us that the king of the Jews was born. Where is he supposed to be born? And they tell him that the scriptures say Bethlehem. They go to Bethlehem and they find Jesus. And they give him these presents of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, we might wonder who these magi were. Now, last week I joked about this in the online service. They were not kings. They were not from the Orient. There were likely more than three. So that song right away has a lot of inferences. The magi were part of a, a caste, we would say. They were like a class of people that lived likely, we think, in the region of Persia. They'd existed for a long time. They were really what we would say today were quite upper class, quite elite. They were very learned, educated men, uh, especially in areas of medicine, astronomy, astrology, some would even say magic. They love to collect information. And so while we think the, this group knew that in the Hebrew scriptures that it said that there was a star that would shine when a king was born is because several centuries before, there had been a group of Jewish people that had been taken captive and brought to that part of the world where they lived for a generation. What we think is that in that time, these magi had learned that one of their beliefs was that in Scripture it says a star would indicate this birth of um, our coming king. And so that information had been passed down. I think this is actually really cool. And to the point that now, generations later, these men see this star and they say, this is the fulfillment of what the Hebrew Scriptures say. Let's go and meet the king. Clearly upper class, right? They're just like, we want to see the king. Let's go. And off they go. Now, the interesting thing is that I think probably the Magi, I'm sure, on that journey felt darkness. 
And I'm sure there'd been darkness in their lives. This was a tumultuous time in history, a violent, often difficult time. Perhaps they had darkness in their own lives. Maybe they'd been looking at the sky a really long time and hadn't seen much of anything. But one day, well, one night, I guess, they saw a star. They saw some astronomical phenomenon, and they said, that must be the one that we've heard about. They followed it, and they found this baby that had been born, Jesus. But more than that, they found God, because we believe Jesus was the very was the embodiment, was the incarnation, we say, of God. Jesus was God, God's very self. And so they saw this light, and they did indeed find God. Now, I don't know about all of you, but I'm guessing the fact that you've even shown up today, for many of you, means that you share a desire that I have, which is the desire to, in some real way, encounter God, to experience God, to see God in your life. That's my heart's longing. And as a pastor, my life calling, I believe, is to create space where I hope those I pastor can see God too. That there'll be space in your life where you can recognize that was God. There it was. There's the light. I see it. And that's what we're doing in this season of Advent. It's pausing to, the series is called See the Star. These are pretty great stars. <laughs> and we're inviting you in this season when it's actually really hard maybe even harder than other times because of all that's sometimes going on, to see where God's light is shining. And I think, we're actually, as I said, looking at this story several weeks in a row, the wise men or the magi give us good examples that we can learn from about how to do that. And so last week, you can go online and you can, um, if you're on Facebook, if you're not, we can send you the link and you should still be able to see it. We did record the sermon. And it talked about some of the things initially that I think the wise men did that I helped make I think helped them have space to see the light. And so I talked about how they did know this teaching from God and invited us to consider, you know, what it means to read scripture, to find God in that. We talked about how they sought help from others, right? They went to the king and the leaders and they said, where are we supposed to find this guy? We talked about how they made space, how they were looking. And today I want to talk about something else. Um, And this is another thing I think the wise men did, and it really stands out to me. And that is that the wise men, I would argue, had incredible faith, great faith. Just think about this. They're like, there's a star. Let's go. And they just start following it. And what is even more interesting to me, and that really stood out to me this week, is that as they went out, they packed presents They were so confident in who they would find that they brought gifts to give for when they found them. Not if, when. And these gifts were not just any gifts. Now, um, some of you, again, would have grown up kind of hearing these gifts, blowing the gold for gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, But they're actually very symbolic gifts. And I want to pause and take a few moments to explain how significant these gifts were. So let's start with gold. I've got a picture of gold up here for you. Most of you know what gold looks like. Gold was maybe not, you know, too hands-on, so to speak. Gold was a present that you gave a king. Gold, of course, is very expensive. Still is very expensive. Common people didn't have gold lying around. You gave it to a king, to someone who was royal. Um, In the Bible, many centuries before this, we read a story of the Queen of Sheba coming to visit a famous king named King Solomon. She brings some gold, among other things, because that's what you gave a king. And so when they give Jesus gold, they're giving a royal gift. And this is important, 
because we do believe that Jesus was a king. That's what they say when they go to Herod, right? They say, we're here to see the king. Makes them nervous. And so when they are looking for this king, uh, the gold is uh, so important to acknowledge that. And when we talk about Jesus being a king, this is fulfilling so much of what we see in Scripture. Because Scripture had said that the Messiah who came would be a descendant of the line of David. He'd be a king like King David had been. He was a really good king. Lots and lots of years before Jesus was born. But by now, like this King Herod, he's not actually of that line. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened in history, and the Jews are like, Herod's not like our legitimate king. He's not of the line of David, which is why the book of Matthew, right before this starts by showing that Jesus is of the line of David, goes through all these descendants. And so he is this king of this line. We know he's going to be a different kind of king, very different kind of king, but he receives gold for who he will be. The next gift is one you're probably less familiar with, and that's the gift of frankincense, which looks like this. Now, frankincense has gotten a little more common in recent days. Um, frankincense is a very popular essential oil, if you are into essential oils, and you can buy it to burn in your home. But at the time, frankincense is a perfume or incense. You would burn this and use it like that. I was actually going to bring some today and burn it. And then I remembered that we have, um, we ask people not to wear scents as much as they can because we have allergies. So I thought, oh, maybe I won't make the whole building smell like perfume when I keep announcing us to remember to do that. Uh, frankincense is from a tree. It's the gum resin. And they cut the bark. And then when the sap comes out, they let it harden for three months. And then, at, and then you can burn this. And at the time, this was such a valuable um, commodity. It wasn't just used for scent because of that. You didn't just burn it so that your house smelled good. It was used for worshiping a divinity. People used it in temples. And it, didn't just, and it wasn't just for the people of God, although that was also the case. In the book of Exodus, when God is explaining how he wants his people to build their temple and how he wants to worship, this is what he says. The Lord said to Moses, take fragrant spices, gum resin, anacha, and galbanum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a blend of incense. Grind some of it in powder and place it in front of the Ark of the Covenant law in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. Do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy to the Lord." And now here are the wise men giving a baby frankincense. Frankincense reminds us that Jesus was a priest. And what we mean by priest is not what I am, not what some of you are in your church traditions. Priests at this time were, again, an important group of people in the nation of Israel. God had set a line of people. You had to be born into the priesthood. And the priests were responsible for allowing you to be able to connect to God. The priests were the only people that could make sacrifices on your behalf. And so if you did something and you need to be right with God, you'd go, and the priest would have to do that. Priests were the mediator between you and God. Now, what we believe is that when Jesus came, he was the last and final and perfect high priest because God had a bigger plan at work that we wouldn't have to do that forever. We wouldn't have to make these burnt sacrifices. And in Hebrews 7... It says, now there have been many priests since de- uh, there have been many priests, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, 
set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Jesus, in this way, became the final high priest, that we only need to go to him. And so the gift of frankincense was for a priest, that we can now go to him to know God. We don't need anyone else in between. No one else can talk to God. But sometimes people come to me and they're like, could you pray? Like, your prayers kind of work better. No, they don't. All of us can go directly to God through Jesus. And then the last gift was the gift of myrrh, which was also a perfume, but specifically an anointing oil often used for embalming bodies. Little bit of a morbid newborn gift. In Isaiah 53, there is a prophecy about the Messiah. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We believe Jesus fulfilled that in his death on the cross. After he died, a man came to take his body, and this is what it reads in John 19. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. BTW, that is an atrocious amount of stuff. This is a lavish gift for Jesus. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices, with strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Myrrh was what you used to embalm a body. At the time, bodies weren't buried in the ground. You would, you would embalm them almost immediately. This is the Middle East. It's hot. We don't have refrigerators. We don't have nice, cool morgues. And they'd be put in a cave like a tomb. And so this gift doesn't, as I said, it can sound weird to be like, almost like us today, here's a coffin in case you need it one day. He says, this is myrrh, but it's reminding us that Jesus would be the Savior, that he would fulfill this prophecy from Isaiah. Perhaps you can see now that these gifts seem to be quite wrought with meaning. They were not simple gifts that, you know, sound fancy and interesting. Some people wonder what they did with them. If you know the rest of the story, uh, many hypothesize that this allowed the family to later escape from Herod to Egypt because Herod went after him later, um, which makes sense. They were pretty poor. Going to Egypt would cost a lot of money. Maybe that's what they did with those expensive gifts. But they were very extravagant but more so they were meaningful. Each gift was a sign of who he would be. And what I think is interesting, as I said, is that the wise men must have brought these gifts with them when they met Jesus. Either they brought them all the way from where they came or they picked them up on the way, but they came with these gifts ready. They set out because they saw a star. They're so confident that they'll find this baby that they bring gifts. They come with gifts for a king, a priest, and a savior. And I think this faith, this great faith, is part of the reason that they were able to see God, that the star made sense to them and that they found Christ. And that's maybe where we could end this lovely sermon so far. We might say, okay, that's an obvious ending. That's all you need, I could say. You can't see God? Have faith like the wise men. Just step out, follow the star, pack the gifts, proceed forward, and you will find God. Some of you have been told if you struggle to recognize God in your life, it's because you don't have enough faith, that maybe you haven't tried hard enough, maybe you haven't mustered up enough. But that's not actually where I'm going to go with this sermon, because I do think faith is more complicated than that. Again, a lot of you here will know that five years ago, my older sister died of cancer, 
And as I was getting this sermon ready, I remembered something that happened just a few weeks before she died. She, had, she was a teacher, and she worked very cl- up almost until uh, her death. She wanted to keep her life as much as normal as possible. And so it was literally like the second last day that she ever worked until she just wasn't well enough to work. And I was visiting her at the time, and she came home from school, and she said, Leanne, the weirdest thing happened to me today. My sister was a Christian. She had a great faith. She said, the husband of one of my coworkers came to my school, and he asked to speak to me during recess. And he said, you know, this is so weird, but, you know, I just really feel like I have something to tell you. And he explained to her that he hadn't been a Christian for most of his life, that he had only been a Christian a few months, but he'd heard about her. And he and his wife had been praying for her. And he said, Roxanne, that was my sister's name, I I know this has never happened to me before. But yesterday I felt God tell me to pray for you and you would be healed. And he said, could I pray for you? And he did. And she died six weeks later. And I don't know who that guy was. And sometimes I think, what happened to that guy's faith, you know? Like, I actually genuinely worry for this guy who, as this new Christian, felt this message from God that he had this faith to go and talk to a complete stranger and pray for her. See, faith happens like that sometimes. And if I went around this room, I bet all of you would have a story like that. Maybe you felt that way, that you have had all the faith you think you need and you didn't find God in the way you wished you had. So it is true that in this sermon I could say, be like the wise men, they had lots of faith, pack the gifts, go out, follow the star, and then you'll get there. And that's true. But what I also want to say when we say be like the wise men is to remember that being like the wise men might not look quite as straightforward as all that. First of all, it took the wise men a long time. It's true that when we make nativity scenes, they look like this. We have the shepherds together. We have them the very night of his birth. We talk about the wise men being there at his birth. I think that's fine. But the wise men were not there the night Jesus was born. They lived very far away. They had to walk there. They stopped off in Jerusalem. They had a conversation with the king. And in fact, most people think that by the time the wise men found Jesus, Jesus was probably two years old. So we say a baby, but he was probably a toddler. And the reason we think that is when you keep reading the story, remember how the king said, go and find the baby and then I'll go worship him. That wasn't his plan. He was scared. And his plan was to kill the baby. The wise men didn't go back. They left. Mary and Joseph took Jesus and went to Egypt, as I mentioned. And Herod was so furious when he realized what had happened, and this is a terrible story, that it says that he ordered the murder of every baby boy under two in Bethlehem. That's awful, isn't it? That's why we think it was probably two years. Why is he saying, kill all the two-year-olds? Um, It says when they got to Herod that he said, you know, they told him when he saw the star. And so we think this journey of the wise men was a couple years, you guys. That's a long time. And I wonder how many times in those two years they thought, why are we schlepping these gifts around still? (laughs) And they had detours. They got so far. And then they had to get to Jerusalem. And they're like, well, we're in the capital city and the king's not here. What is the deal? In fact... Later, when they see the star, did you notice it says, and when they saw the star over the place he lay, they were overjoyed. How long it had been since they last saw the star? This journey of the wise men was very different than other people in the story, the shepherds, and some of you will know that story. 
And it says that the night Jesus was born, and this is in the Gospel of Luke, the very night he was born, that there's shepherds out in the fields, angels come in the sky, they tell them a king is born, they tell them the Messiah is born, they tell them where to find the Messiah, they say, go and worship him. They go that night and they worship him. Well, isn't that nice? Wouldn't we often love that? And maybe you've had that feeling that maybe you're like the wise men and you're kind of looking at people like the shepherds and you've heard people say, the Lord spoke to me so powerfully in my prayer this morning. And you're like, nice, that'd be great. I wish God spoke to me. Or someone tells you an amazing story of healing or something incredible or how they experience God so certainly and you think, yeah, I wish it was like that. But faith looked like lots of different things. And I want to remind you that faith sometimes looks like shepherds where it comes right away and you get there and there it is and it's big and it's impressive. And sometimes it's like the wise men who see a star and they travel for a long time through the desert. And you know what? They still got there. And that's the hope of Christmas. That's why Advent is about remembering the waiting. That's what we remember in Advent. God's people had waited hundreds of years for Jesus to come. And at Advent, we remember that waiting, but we also remember that it ends. And at Christmas, we remind ourselves that we will not wait forever, that Jesus will return, and that Jesus will reveal himself to us even in this life. Sometimes we're carrying the things that we have for God that we want to give God a long time. Sometimes we may feel like giving up. It can feel too long or too much or too far or too unreasonable. We don't see the star anymore, and we're getting frustrated. But seeing the star, I think, actually looks more like people who take a little bit of faith, a glimmer of a star, and they keep going step by step. And how that might look for you may look really simple. For you, it might look like showing up to church each Sunday still, even when you're not sure if you believe this anymore, or even yet. It may look like praying for a loved one to find Jesus who you've been praying for for decades. It may look like praying again after you feel prayers let you down. It may look like forgiving someone when you're not sure they deserve to be forgiven. Lighting candles even when it feels dark. One step, little step. And there may be much in our way, but we can take that little bit of faith that we have and we can keep going. Because the promise of Christmas is that God has not forgotten it's that God is coming. It's that God is at work. It's that the God who put that glimmer in the sky for the wise men is still leading you. Like the wise men, maybe you don't have faith just yet to pack big fancy presents, but you can take a step, and then you can take another, and then you can take another. And you keep your eyes on a little slice of light until one day we see the full story. I'm going to pray for us. And this week, and over the next couple weeks, we're going to fill this room with starlight. And Leslie, is going to give, Leslie and Anne are going to give you a gold star, and we have some pens. And what we're going to ask you to do, and do this quietly, is on that star is to put a place where you are looking for God. Or you can put a place where you feel you've seen God. And there's a little mat tack. And we're going to stick those up on these beige, kind of in-between-the-windows panels. And uh, as we do that, Sam is going to sing for us. Dallas, would you mind going and getting Sam out of the Sunday school? <laughs> I had a signal I was supposed to give sooner, and I forgot. So, you know, we'll give you a minute to get the stars. Sam is going to sing a song that he and Chris wrote in honor of this series. And then after, as you've done that, then you'll have a chance to sing it as well. So take one of these stars, and we're going to create our glimmers of God all around this room in the weeks to come. Um, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. 
You can bring it home if you feel you need more time to think about it. You can write in code if you don't feel comfortable writing something that everyone can see. Or you can write it on the back and then put the star on the front. That's okay. Put the gold facing out. And so again, take this time to write a place where you are longing to see God. And then stick it to the wall. So Sam's going to play the song for us once, and then you'll have a chance to sing it too. Before he does that, let's pray. God, I thank you that there are so many ways that our faith can look. And I know that there's probably people here who do feel like they're kind of in a desert and they haven't seen your star for a long time. Help us take one step, one day at a time. Amen.